<laughs> Welcome, Rina, to Let's Talk About. I was saying earlier that I am so excited and happy to have you here today. And uh, to talk about this subject, which has actually been very alive in me these last months. So welcome. Thank you, Natalie. I'm so happy to connect to you and to my favorite island. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We miss you here. <laughs> so let's dive straight in. And maybe we can start just with giving a brief description of what is a dominatrix. What would you say is the, the job title or the job description of, of this role? Yes, so I love to talk about this because I've been a professional dominatrix for 12 years in New York City. And I guess the classic look of a dominatrix is the woman with a, wearing leather, having whip in her hand and torturing some guys. And this is a very gross superficial definition because there is so, so much more to this. It's um, not about just fetish or humiliation. There is a lot of psychology involved in understanding human psyche and understanding the, the depth and the nature and the meaning of the fantasy of a person because all of us have certain fantasies and dominatrix is the one who is creating a safe container to explore certain fantasies such as power exchange fantasies, role-playing or something related to a fetish. So any fantasy that has a certain connection to sexuality, which doesn't have to have anything to do with sex. In fact, dominatrix doesn't have sex with her clients. This is one of the classic um, misconceptions that it's um, about having sex with your client, but no, it's not. I never had sex with clients. So there is a lot going on outside of classic penetration. It's a lot more to that. It's, there is so many other aspects involved in, um, in dominating someone in the power exchange and role play exploration. And I'm so thrilled to share more about this, but let's go in, in one direction. Otherwise I could talk okay. about this yeah, as, well. sure. as I was preparing for this, uh, yeah. for this interview. So it was going to so many different directions because it's such a wide world. Exactly. So you were talking about fantasies you know, the job, the main job role of a dominatrix is to fill fantasies for men. So I guess my first question about that is if there are classic fantasies that, that you fulfill for men or are they very wide ranged? Uh, there are many wide range fantasies. It's true, there is a lot to it. And these days I'm more narrow because after doing it for so long, I'm not just doing anything anymore. In fact, I'm not even named as dominatrix anymore. I'm a vulnerability coach. I'm someone who is guiding people into their vulnerable places in order to reach healing and understanding of who they are. And uh, the means that I use for it these days is a rope bondage, which is Japanese art of tying called shibari. This is the only narrow thing that I'm doing these days because I decided to specialize in one thing and just really focus on that because that feels like my favorite tools. But as a classic domination goes, there are lots of different tools and toys that they use and there are lots of different fantasies. And the most uh, common one is about surrendering. It's about being uh, on their knees about com completely losing control and allowing anything to happen allowed allowing just 
a woman to take over entirely and just do whatever she wants. And it's really quite a bliss to just completely give up any agenda, any control, any desire, and just just say, take me, just do whatever you want with me. I, I'm yours. I want to I wanna surrender to you completely. And there are so many men who fantasize of this, but because of the classic role in the society, men have to be constantly in their heads, on the go, constantly control situation, constantly um, be in charge and be breadwinners, head of the household. So it's not so often they have a situation where they can just surrender to a woman. And this is why it's very common for men to seek uh, domination and to seek a femdom, to seek a alpha female who will actually take over and for some time within the boundaries, of course, within consent and right. to just do whatever she pleases, of course, as I said, within boundaries. So there is negotiation involved, there is aftercare involved. So there are lots of different elements involved in order for it to be not abused, in order for it to be actually a consensual exploration. Right. Um, wow, I have so many questions. <laughs> um, okay, so you're talking about femdom giving this service to men. Do you give this service to women too? Uh, these days, because I practice Shibari, I have 50-50, I have 50% of women coming to me, which is amazing because uh, the reason for that is because I moved from uh, classic dungeon king leather communities and I moved towards more uh, healing spiritual communities and therefore um, both equally men and women are looking for the experience of surrender and healing while mm -hmm. in a more conventional like definition of dominatrix this is a woman wearing leather high heels and all and there are men in power who are come in to submit so it all depends on the context where you do the work and uh, right. by switching the context by switching my brand is <laughs> to say like, uh, I was actually able to attract more women and I think it's great for both men and women to explore this and of course some women would prefer to have a man as a guide some women prefer to have a woman as a guide so yeah this is very like it's all about the preference and I'm really thrilled to guide both men and women into surrender. I think it's amazing. Wow. So there are male doms too. Yes. What would you say is the biggest misconception about dominatrix workers and how does it um, differentiate between traditional sex workers? Yes, so this is uh, then as the name, uh, sex workers. Yes, it's there are many different sex workers with, and under umbrella of sex workers. There are strippers, porn stars, uh, dominatrixes. So there are many different professions that are involved. So, and there is different involvement of sexuality there. So they can be like a classic escort service usually offers like full service like like a full service provider but dominatrix doesn't have sex with her clients um she's exploring all kinds of like possibilities around it mm -hmm. but not direct penetrative sex because obviously when she's in charge she's in control she's there to guide a client not to submit to a client so this is why in most cases i don't want to 
say it for every dominatrix, but the classic way of doing it, at least in the area where I am, in New York in the States, is that dominatrix doesn't have penetrative sex with her clients, while she could potentially use a strap-on, for example. So that's a bit mm. different. So it all depends on your definition of sex. If you feel like strap-on sex is sex, then yes, that can be one of the options, for example, but not her receiving it actually, because this will switch the dynamic, this would shift the dynamics, she would be in a more vulnerable, receptive place. Right. Um, also, the other misconception about uh, domination is that uh, it's about sadism and abuse. Um, I received it so much that people would meet me, they don't know who I am, and then they hear that I'm a dominatrix, and then the first reaction, oh my God, you look like such a sweet person. I could not imagine that you're actually a sadist, an abuser, and enjoy torturing men. Um, so, yes, that's pretty... Um, common one and of, of course I had to explain myself a lot that this is all about consensual exploration and I have really zero desire to just torture someone you know it's just part of the exploration because you know even just if you take the most brutal torture uh, for me it's about exploring my fire element like how would I be if I just want to ravish someone and if they're consenting to that this is what they want it's like why not right can two consensual adults explore this kind of situation right. Right. which we rarely get to explore in life because we all want to be nice people and art from our hearts which is right. great but then we want to explore the other aspects of destroying crashing um, i don't know like seducing like using all other things that are usually in the shadow that's why dominatrix is officially a shadow worker because mm -hmm. we get this shadow elements out to light so we can create a safe container to explore it there is so much jewels there there's so much to find in those things that are in the shadow so that's what I find so amazing about it so yeah sadism and prostitutions are not really what BDSM are all about uh, there is a lot right. a lot more to that wow my mind is popping with information and with questions I just I have so many different directions to take this conversation in but something that really is alive in me right now is maybe a big reason why um, there are such specific professional job roles as dominatrix is because there's a missing element of this feeling in in people's partners in men's partners like I maybe the maybe this energy is very challenging for many women to embody this dominating, this female dominating energy that people bring into the bedroom or usually are afraid of in the bedroom. Why do you think many women are afraid to touch this, this energy of dominating their partners? Uh, we are all afraid of breaking things. <laughs> so um, you probably, since you are in a Tantra community, you're probably familiar with the goddess archetype Kali, who is the destroyer, right? She walks around the earth, destroying everything she finds 
on her way, crushing, just ravishing, killing everything. And she's worshipped as a divine power in Hindu mythology. Why? Why is she the destroyer is actually divine? And the point is she destroys only illusions. She destroys what's not true and therefore bringing you to what is real, bringing you to Shiva. And that's when she stops because Shiva is divine consciousness, which is beyond time and space while Kali is actually in the realm of time and space. So by surrendering to her, you're actually taken to what's immortal, what's infinite. And I really love this um, archetype because I was always afraid of this power within me as I was raised to be a good girl in Russia. I was uh, very compliant, very submissive, doing everything right, um, but, and then, uh, once I discovered domination, initially there was a lot of resistance in me, like, wow, I'm a nice person. I don't want to hurt anyone. Why would I do this to someone? No, no, no. I want to act from my heart. But then in Hindu mythology, it's also fascinating how uh, Shakti, which is this divine female form, was invited to be Kali by Shiva himself. And then she was resisting, like, no, I'm not going to kill anyone. I don't want to destroy anyone. I don't want to step on my husband because in Hindu mythology, Kali is stepping on the corpse of Shiva, and this is where she stops. Um, so, and then she was a lot of she was in a lot of resistance, and then she was explained by Shiva himself that look, if you embrace this archetype, you will be serving the world because the world needs someone who will slay all the demons, slay all the illusions, kill everything that's not real. And then finally she embraced it and then she realized that this is actually for the good of all. So similarly, in my case, I was first in resistance of um, hurting someone, of playing the role of like raising my voice, humiliating someone, like, no, it's not me, it's not me. And then I started to slowly recognize like, wow, how much we actually need it, how much I need to embrace my power, how much I need to embrace my fire, how much... I need to be the goddess myself, how much I need to really own like what's truthful, what's, how can I, you know, and it's gave me a lot of power. Once I started exploring this, once I embraced the fact that I can just tell someone what to do and they're gonna do it, how, how I embraced my voice, how I embraced my shadow side, fire, fire energy. And I started to see the benefits for my clients. I started to see how much they need to receive something like this, how much it helps them to recognize some of their shadow sides, how it improves their lives afterwards, improves their relationships, improves their work. And then slowly, slowly, I started to learn and go deeper into it, not only in the domination realm, in my work realm, but also in my personal life, because I also wasn't uh, able to stand up for myself. I was always the kind of girl who would just cry and run away. But mm. um, by embracing Kali, by embracing this fire, um, I was able to stand my ground, put firmer boundaries, go more there for things that I really want and say some things that are inconvenient for others, but they are truthful. So, and I'm still, I'm still in this path. It's not like you just learn once and it's over. No, it's a, it's a big social taboo for women to actually, you know, because it's like, there are lots of labels, like she's being rude, nasty, bitchy, all these things, but um, yeah. actually if you explore it consciously, if you're not 
doing it out of on autopilot because of some of your old traumas, but you're actually feeling these energies within and you're embracing them and consciously giving it to the world. This is where a yeah. lot of power comes for you and for the world. So I feel like yeah. it's really, really amazing for many women to step into this power. And therefore, one thing that I teach to women is how to be a how to embrace this power, how to be a dom, either in personal in life, in relationships or in professional realm. Could you give us like a couple of tips, like give us women a couple of tips on how to connect to this fire element that is so deeply hidden within us? Um, so it depends how it's hidden because there are two ways of hiding it. One is to numb yourself. Another thing is to just purge everything on autopilot. And both are pretty dysfunctional because there is no awareness of what's happening. So the point here is to connect to your body, first of all, to really feel what's cooking there, what's bubbling there, what kind of energies are circling through you and to actually embrace those things to feel like right now I'm in my fire element how does it feel what I feel like doing maybe the first response is I want to dance it out like I want to just do the fiery kind of goddess dance or you can offer it to your partner like how would you feel if you explore some of my fire would you be up for it like okay I'm up for it what shall we do and then you negotiate well maybe I can slap your face a couple of times can you handle it and I'm sure most of the partners would be like, whoa, <laughs> okay, <laughs> let me there, let me try that. So of course you gotta know how to slap someone right without hitting their eyes. <laughs> but this is just an example and there are many different ways to um, embrace it. So whether in the more like classic, like dancing, singing situations or in the bedroom realm, we have less taboos, less uh, restrictions because our energy takes over and we can just go with the flow so this is a great place to explore things that are forbidden in so-called real world mm. so there's a lot of communication actually between the two the two people in oh. order to explore this safely it's not about okay let's play it's about really bringing this conversation before on what are the boundaries and really getting into detail and less uh, going with the flow, right? Yes, it's actually the flow and communications are both there. And um, so I'm the person who leans more towards a flow, but communication is what creates a safe container for the flow to take place. Mm -hmm. So of course you have to explore things if you're doing it with a partner, especially the more challenging, the more taboo, the fantasy is the more communication it requires that you have to first communicate. Why do you want to do it? What is what you would like to do? How uh, can you communicate in the process of it? What, how will you establish aftercare? How would you like to be cared for? All those things are super important. So a lot of couples in the vanilla relationship who have nothing kinky, they ignore such things. They don't communicate. A lot of miscommunication happens as a result and a lot of misunderstanding and judgments of the other. But uh, the um, world of BDSM, the world of kink and domination and all has a great benefit that people learn how to uh, express their desires, express their needs, put boundaries. So it's, um, I feel like this is one great thing you can learn from 
from going into the BDSM shadow work explorations in sexualities, the yeah. communication uh -huh. part. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested how, if you want to share, how your lovers, um, how do they react to your job title? Your lovers, your relationship, uh, how, how, does, how does that work? I am really lucky. I'm in the right communities and right places. So I get to have uh, really open-minded people around me. So for me, it's really important to surround myself with the like-minded people, with those who are on the same page when it comes to, right. um, you know, when it comes to uh, self-exploration, spirituality, think people are really open-minded around me. So I, this is my best recommendation for everyone who wants to step into this, is to be in the community of people who are supportive and who are open, not in their narrow mind about what's right and what's wrong, but actually open to expand their horizon. Huh, this is also a possibility. Why not? What is great about this? Right. People who are curious. So um, I was lucky to be there. And but of course, just like many other women in my career, there were a lot of misunderstandings there as well, because um, yeah, there is some jealousy involved because my connections with clients are very deep and intimate, although I didn't have sex directly, but uh, I did have a partner at the time that was also getting jealous. So that also involved a lot of communication and understanding of what I do, what do we want from each other, is this how important it is to me? And um, yeah, many women in this profession, they had some struggles with partners who were not open enough who were not mm, not on the same page so-called so anyway just the, my basic recommendation there is surround yourself with people who are on the same page who are like-minded and um, yeah. really yeah. stick to them because it's important to be in a community that supports you and this is exactly my solution this is where I am these days right now I have zero zero issues with such things because uh, all people who are around me all my friends and my partner really in, uh, in alignment with what I do really pushing me deeper forward and yeah. uh, that feels amazing because yes we want to have less things that resist our growth in our, in our lives right well um do you personally what what pleases you more dominating or submitting because i dominate so much in my life and my work i personally will enjoy surrendering and yeah. i like to dive deep in my surrender yeah. i like to dive very deep in my surrender and yeah. it's definitely requires the good ability to hold the space for this right and i can only do it with somebody who really understands and it doesn't require any special technical skills. It's more psychologically right, right. Being, uh, there for me in this really appreciating, really valuing, really connecting to me um, in this. And it's, it's of great value. If I have yeah. someone who can do this for me, uh, this person really has my heart. It's like so important for me to have yeah. the opportunity but it's also not something that you only do in sexual realm and personal relationship there are so many ways 
to submit and surrender in life, which right, right. is um, basically life itself, because this little metaphor of our bedroom exploration is actually can be expanded into everything because our life is our dominatrix. We are constantly being guided, we're constantly being humiliated, <laughs> tortured, because life is full of pain and suffering. How do we take it? Do we take it in a spirit of surrender or do we resist to this? And I find it pretty fascinating that uh, you can use this exploration in the erotic realm as a model of living your, the life itself. And I find it's really important to look at it in this way. So this way you're not just having fun and forgetting about it, but you're actually learning something and you actually um, changing your life for better. You're actually seeing how can I take pain in a spirit of surrender because life is full of pain. How can you take humiliation in a spirit of surrender? How can you take a role playing because life is full of role playing, mm -hmm. right? Life is constantly playing, playing roles and how can we take it less seriously and how can we actually be more playful around those roles? How can we go more wild and have fun with them? And how can we establish better boundaries when it comes to playing roles in life? So I think um, erotic uh, explorations, fantasy play are great teachers of how to live life itself. I mean, probably this is all relevant when you are exploring domination in a conscious way. And I'm wondering what is the difference, or maybe I know there is a difference, but maybe explain the difference between toxic domination and conscious domination, because I'm sure there is a big, this is also a part of the big misconception of what is domination and how to play with it. Yes, that's a great question. And uh, my career started from not being aware, from not being as conscious and about domination. I was just exploring and it was great because I just tried everything but I really had no idea what I was doing. I was just going mechanically on autopilot, just trying things for the sake of trying, like, okay, here's the whip, here's the ass, let me spank it. So, and it was of course not having much depth in it. There was not much transformational potential, but uh, the way it became more conscious was by me simply questioning, simply inquiring, why do I want to do this? Why do they want to receive it? Just the question itself of why is enough to open up a new dimensions. Basically not just taking it for granted, not just running on autopilot, but slowing down to taking time to think, taking time to feel into things and just feeling into it like what is there for me why do I want this what am I ultimately searching for and then it brings you to more deeper questions of life okay what is my life about how does this fit into my life agenda what is there for me in this lifetime so then this way you are able to start really inquiring into this so this is where conscious BDSM starts, just like everything else in life. If you want to do it more consciously, you're questioning. You're not just driven by some unknown urge and just doing it, but you're actually slowing down to question yourself. 
And then there, once you decide that this is how you want to go deeper into it and from a more conscious perspective, this is when you start implementing new elements to it. You start talking to a client or talking to a friend or partner about their agenda, their deeper intention. You start questioning their life situation, what brought them to this. You start learning more about their childhood situation. What was the relationship to their parents? You start implementing some ritual aspects to it where you are taking time to slow down and breathe together inside the play. You are connecting deeper into your body and actually questioning your body. What do I, what does my body really need right now? What is what I'm really looking for in the body? So then there come many, many, many layers of how, what makes BDSM more conscious. And then there come them uh, also the, the altered states. This is pretty much uh, what we are looking for in the realm, but then there is also a way to explore altered states of consciousness in the unconscious way and as well as in the conscious, like in psychedelics, like for example, some people can just take acid on a party and just roll and not question anything, but some people do it as part of the ceremony and then it becomes a conscious explorations of the shadow of the altered states of consciousness. So similarly in BDSM, we can just go on autopilot and play, or we can make a ceremony, a ritual out of it. And then we have the intention, we have the proper setting, we can put an altar space, we can, so we can consecrate uh, your journey to some divine power that is closest to you. So there come a lot of depth and beauty when you just right. simply decide to make a conscious exploration out of it. Amazing, this is beginning to link to me um, with Tantra, with spirituality, and taking, taking this maybe conceived low, low level of sexual exploration actually to something a lot higher, a lot more um, divine in some way. Exactly. This is exactly where I got it from because halfway through my career, I started coming to Kopangan, started to study Tantra, started to go for meditation retreats, shadow work journeys, all of those things. And this is where I started to find, wow, there's so much more to life that I ever knew. <laughs> but then everything becomes infused with this because you can't just continue living life on autopilot while you're going to meditation retreats on your vacation time, right? Of course, everything becomes infused with that. And then you start learning that Tantra is about making everything divine. It's about making your anger divine, your sexuality divine, like your fantasies divine. Or you, everything, all your struggles become divine, all your dark nights of the soul become divine. And then you extract more meaning from your suffering. So everything becomes infused with meaning, with depth, with beauty. And this is what I love Tantra so much because it's the world embracing path, not world denying, you know, just yeah. running away into a cave to meditate. You are actually going deep into life. You're going deep into struggles. You're going deep into everything that's there around you where you feel like going but you are going with the intentionality you're going with awareness you're implementing the elements of ritual to it you are working with archetypal powers you are using all kinds of tantric elements that help you to connect the world of forms to the world of the infinite so this is my biggest passion is about connecting spirituality with everything that i do 
Wow. And so this is why you call yourself actually now a vulnerability coach because yes. it's touching people's like in the essence, that's actually what you're doing. Exactly. And we are wired to avoid being vulnerable because it's unsafe. And I'm all for diving into vulnerability because this is where all the treasure is, where I find a lot of, first of all, humanness, but second, divinity, because they are both, they are both there, <laughs> which is right. so paradoxical, right? Because um, in a way, in spirituality, we would like, we, we strive to reach divinity, but then in Tantra, we are not avoiding humanness. And I find that it's important to go both ways and vulnerability is the way because you cannot pray and stay in your shell. You cannot right. meditate and stay a rock hard. You, can, you have to actually let go whatever you do in the spiritual realm. You have to open your heart. You have to expose yourself, which feels threatening, right? Because we are then become more unprotected. We are no longer feeling like we are in control. We are giving our control away to something bigger than ourselves. And of course it feels vulnerable. So whether you wanna dive into the divine realms or whether you wanna dive into humanness, yeah. uh, you are, it, it all, it, the only way to get there is through vulnerability. And therefore for me, this is the most important aspects of my life to explore my vulnerability as well as exploring vulnerabilities of mm. others around me and this is kind of what I live for and I think it's great it's amazing and I'm always searching for opportunities for making anything divine whether there's some triggering things such as torture BDSM humiliation or for me, what also actually is triggering that actually that is commitment and sales. Those two words are like oof, really triggering wow. for me. And recently I've been working on finding some divinity there wow. in commitment and sales, although especially sales, that's the worst one. I always feel like it's the greedy, manipulative, ugly thing to do. There's nothing divine about sales. Mm. But, um, you know, Tantra is about embracing everything. So everything. if I could make BDSM to be tantric how can i make sales also tantric so it's an ex very exciting path wow <laughs> so many colors of it so maybe give us some tips i would love i would love to give our viewers um an introduction to you know a few introductory tips on how to practice maybe a more conscious sexuality and then even more specifically going into beginning to touch BDSM? Yes, so conscious begins with intention and intention uh, requires creating a space for it. So it's important to prioritize creating space for something to explore. So basically, if you wanna have, if you just have 15 minutes and just want to have quick sex, that's kind of hard to make it into something special, beautiful, conscious. So one way I suggest it, which is not the only way, please don't take it as dogma. This is something that just happens to work for most people, is to take your time and take your time and go deep into communication. And communication is verbal communication, but also it's a communication of 
uh, your body language, actually. How can you take your time to connect to your body? How can you take your time to connect to your partner's body? And um, beautiful things come with patience and with time. So if you really take your time to explore, oops, all good. Yeah, if you really take your time to connect to your partner, to breathe together, to create beautiful space where everything is really tranquil, the right music, the candles, the ultra spaces, the eye gazing, the physical touch, the massaging, the breathing together, all of this creates space to start feeling more things um, and uh, to communicate more that was ever possible. So basically you create space for the flow to take over. So both of you can start feeling where your dynamic, where your flow is actually taking you. And um, it's, a, it's a beautiful beginning. I really recommend to start yeah. from this simple, simple place of creating space and connecting to each other on many different levels. And then some ideas of how to play with domination. Like domination is such a big word. Yes. And bringing that to your bedroom could look in many different ways. Um, I, will, I will give to you to, to maybe give a few different colors of domination. Yes, it's a great question. Um, a lot of people have no idea how to begin. And that's why I created my beautiful online course, which has tons of ideas. I'll share about this later. Uh, but to give you something simple is about choosing of which partner will be the dominant one and which one will surrender. Yeah. And uh, then specifying some things that can potentially happen because as I started with the idea of creating space to communicate different desires, feelings, there can come up some ideas about what kind of things do you feel like receiving and what kind of things you feel like giving. And then it's a really vulnerable thing to open up because it's already creating space for vulnerability just to confess to your partner, look, I feel like being spanked. This is already something especially, usually especially for men to confess something like this because it's wow. a bit more socially challenging for men to be vulnerable. And just confessing those things that you feel like doing, like I feel like being tied up. By the way, to be tied up, you don't need any fancy knots. You can just tie someone to bed and see what it feels like to actually just surrender yourself to receive something from your partner. Right. And um, yes, and just explore it because one partner is there to surrender, the other partner is there to give. And of course, the, everything can stop at any point because um, both people can communicate how all of this feels because even the one who is in control, in power can be feeling too vulnerable because, oh my God, I feel bad to slap your face because this is so abusive, I cannot do it. So then two people can communicate, well, let's talk about it. What makes you feel like this? Or the other way around, like if um, the other person is being choked and then it can trigger some kind of response of being uh, helpless and dying, then there can you can stop at any moment and share and actually let your tears out, let your rage out let your feelings out and 
um, yeah, so that's uh, a lot about communicating and creating this space for one person to have power and do something within the realm of boundaries, of course. Uh, and the other partner is to receive, to surrender, to be helpless and to take whatever the other partner has to give them. And I really recommend you to try it. Start with something simple if it's too hard for you. Start with having your hands together. Start with getting spanked. Start with um, getting hair pulled. Start with being called some uh, naughty names. Um, so many different possibilities oh out there. God. Just give it a try and see what happens. Be playful, have fun with this and definitely, definitely communicate how everything feels and what she really wants so you go into this in a lot more depth in your online course exactly give me just give us a little introduction about that because i definitely want to take that <laughs> yes i've designed this course as a way to celebrate the end, the official ending of my dominatrix career and transitioning into being a vulnerability coach and because I've learned so much throughout this decades of practicing spirituality and BDSM, I decided to put it together as one online course. And uh, it has a lot to offer because it's a course for beginners. It can be great for couples. It can be great for single people who are looking forward to meet somebody who to practice with. And it's also great for those who want to begin this path as a profession as well it's it really fits many who are eager to explore because it starts from the very basics what is bdsm all about what kind of activities involved um the history of it different definitions and then it goes towards more practical things how to set up the scene how to establish a safe container how to meet the like-minded partner how to open up to your partner how to communicate correctly with your partner whether you do it verbally or non-verbally how to establish this proper communication between you two and then it goes more deeper into psychology of it like Jungian psychology such as shadow work um, and exploring the depth of fantasies from the psychological standpoints meaning understanding why we have certain fantasies and fetishes understanding what's hidden underneath and what is the message underneath the fantasy mm -hmm. when you explore it in such a way you are prone to you're not you're going to avoid getting ashamed or addicted to it because shame and addictions are two polarities that are there for those that are options for those who are exploring BDSM because it's really easy to feel ashamed of your fantasy and it's also equally easy to just start enjoying it so much that you just go fully addicted to it and you just need more and more and more which doesn't right. serve you either it takes you on right. the classic addiction route so uh, the conscious approach understanding of psychology is there to help you to dive deeper and therefore avoid just getting trapped in the addiction. Instead, you are actually transforming your fantasy and learning your lessons from it and then moving on to something else to explore. So you're not really stuck in the same place. You're not just there doing the same thing all over and over again. And finally, we are going deeper into a spirituality realm. The final phase of the course is Tantra, which is understanding the spiritual elements, how to mix spiritual aspects into BDSM play, meaning consecration, offering the fruits of action to the divine consciousness, uh, tantric archetypes, gods and goddesses of Tantra, how to uh, design a scene 
and welcome such archetypes into play, how to embrace your Kali, how to embrace your goddess Tara, how to embrace the interplay of Shiva and Shakti into your into your play. Finally, there are some shamanic aspects of play, such as descending and ascending. Ascending is when you're ascending into this love and light realms. Descending is when you're diving, diving, diving into some really dark aspects of your being. And both are equally valuable. In fact, I believe that descend is even more valuable than ascend because this is where you get to learn and transform the most. But at the same time, it's the most challenging for us because there can be a lot of pain and traumas there so it's important to practice this consciously and to uh, do it the way that you grow from it not becoming re-traumatized so I teach in my course a lot how to facilitate experience of ascending into divine realms as well as descending into the challenging places and actually learning to integrate your shadow and all of this is possible within the within one scene so it's pretty fascinating how deep you can dive into this. And uh, my course is quite in-depth, so it, you can learn something most basic about how to spank someone, right? Or you can go into more advanced tantric play and healing work and how to use this for your healing. And finally, we filmed the content all over the world in Kopangan in a jungle. We also filmed it in the villas in Bali. And we also filmed it in New York City dungeon space, like heavy Chinese torture room and, or um, like in, in Catherine's wheel, the torture, the wheel of torture, kind of like more darker places. Mm. So I really feel a lot of pride about um, what, we, what we created because it has um, lots of different sides of it. So you're not just having one-sided narrow view that BDSM is about this, but you can actually see so many different aspects of it, so many different sides of it, and you can choose what's work, what works best for you so you can choose your favorites from it. Wow. I mean, you can sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love to do your course, Serena. I'm not surprised. It's really designed for transformation. I don't take such things lightly. When I create something, it's always really deep. Yeah. So we will put the links and the information in the comments somewhere. And um, yeah, I mean, I have a ton more questions, but I think I will, I will end now and maybe we will do something else on a more specific subject. I really, really enjoyed speaking with you today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. I love your questions. And I wonder if our viewers have any questions either now or later, please feel free to ask those who are watching it now or later on. Um, yeah, and if anyone has any questions later, then you can still drop them down in the comments and, you know, yeah. we'll make, maybe try and answer them as well. Sounds good. Yeah. Mm, so, yeah, I think we will end now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me here, Natalie. It's a pleasure. And uh, we'll speak soon. Bye, love. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you for being here with us. Mwah.